Good afternoon. Hope everyone got enough to eat. If you didn't, it was your own fault because I think there's still food over there. So anyway, it's good that we can be together. It's kind of interesting. I was thinking about as we're singing, and I thought about the title of this lesson, With One Voice Glorify God. That's one of the things we try to do when we sing, isn't it? With one voice, we sing collectively together to glorify God. I always think about that. Uh, boy, back in 1979, we moved from Winfield, Kansas, about a 120-member congregation, to Lubbock, Texas, to 2,200-member congregation. And the first time they sang, man, I could sing better, yell as loud as I wanted. And there was enough people who sang, well, I sounded good. So, you know, it's kind of interesting. Years ago, I mean, years ago, I remember going to a, a soul-winning workshop before it got way out there, and it doesn't even exist anymore, Tulsa. But there was like 20,000 people at the fairgrounds to sing uh, in the evening session. It's just, it's phenomenal. But I think about when we get to heaven, we'll all get to raise our voices. And I'm pretty sure there we'll all get good voices. And if we don't get good voices, at least we get ears that make them sound like good voices, whatever it is. But um, I think about this passage of Scripture. It covers a lot of things. Um, we're going to fly through it a little bit here. But... But again, in kind of my lesson this morning and this afternoon, and I think about all we've got going on and all the great blessings that God gives us, and I've always found out with blessing comes responsibility. And so you look at that. We have uh, Jason mentioned, you know, as we're looking at things, he says, so you got those growing pain things where you got to make adjustments and do things. Uh, that's a good problem to have, right, is that we're going to be able to look and we continue to pray and work for that. Um, I think about a few songs every once in a while and uh, how they're so powerful in that direction. But in verse 1 it says, Now we who are strong. Now we, let me tell you what. Listen to me now. In this verse, you can only be one of two things. Strong or weak. That's all it is. Weak is not the right thing to be spiritually. Because if you're weak... You're in such a volatile situation. But here's what it says. But those that are weak should have the help of those who are strong. Now, I know we all have strengths and weaknesses, but generally as people look at us, would they consider us a strong Christian or a weak Christian? And more importantly, people look at us when God looks at us. Does he see us as a strong Christian or a weak Christian? says, now we who are strong ought to bear the weaknesses of those without strength, not just pleasing ourselves. If you're just pleasing yourself, if it's all about pleasing yourself, you're not strong anyway. But I think about when I was in preaching school and we had a senior chapel. That was when one of the seniors spoke or preached during chapel. And we could pick anything we wanted. Well, for some reason, I picked... Uh, Hebrews chapter 12, it's a warning to me and other classmates of mine, verse 15 and following. And the real challenge is if you don't watch out, you go to other people who think like you, who are strong. And because it's good to be, it's fun to be around strong Christians, isn't it? But when you're around weak Christians, people who are weak, you have to help them. Let's say they can't get out of a chair. I was going to say about if they lay down on the deck, you got to help them get up, you know, whatever it is. But uh, those who are strong ought to help. I won't use any names, but their initials are Charlene Williford. But uh, no, but you look at that. And so when you're weak, 
you got to have some help, right? And you hope somebody who's strong, who can help you, gets up. Well, that also works that way even more so spiritually, doesn't it? And you think about that. If you see somebody, some people are terrible. They even see people in a situation where they need help, and they just walk right by them. I said, how pitiful. That is totally selfish. That's exactly what this verse is about. Well, that's that way spiritually, too, because you can look at people that are challenged with this and challenged with that. And some people, I don't want to be silly, but some people who are weak continue to get themselves in a spot where you got to drag them out of it all the time. And you think, man, I'm tired of dragging them out of it. But it says if you're strong, you ought to bear the weaknesses of those without strength. Turn with me over to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. I got a few verses to think about here. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, uh, verses 22 and 23. He says, To the weak I became weak that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men, so that I may by all means save some. I do all things for the sake of the gospel, so that I may become a fellow partaker of it. We ought to all be able to say that. But that's a mouthful, isn't it? He says, Whatever it takes, I'm going to give it. Whatever it takes, I'm going to give it. I'm going to be to the weak. I'm going to do whatever it takes to help them. I'm going to try to relate to them. I'm going to try to give them what I need. I think about that. Sometimes people think you have to grow a long time for you ready to do that. Well, isn't it interesting? In Acts 2, when about 3,000 souls were baptized there in 41, by the time you get to 44, here's what it says. They had all things in common. So now, next Sunday, I'm going to bring my own favorite dish, but you guys can't eat any of it. I'm not going to share it. No, well, I didn't bring that share. I came to eat it myself. That's selfish, isn't it? So you lay it out there. What? It's for everybody. Anybody can take it. No, put this over my table. I don't want Pat eating this and Georgine eating this just for me. Think about how selfish all that is. I mean, we say you really like it, but it's all gone. You know, I always used to, all the time, I always think, you know, if it's something I really like and going to eat, I hope nobody else likes it and eat it, so I get to take it home and eat it. But, but you know, we want to share, don't we? We want to be people who share. What if Jesus said, Jesus didn't come to be served, but to serve and give us a life a ransom for many. I think Caleb used that uh, last week, uh, Matthew chapter 20 and verse 28. But I think about how important this is to the weak, I became weak. In 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 14, when it tells us not everyone's the same, some are weak, some are feeble-minded, some are unruly, but here's what it says. Here's what you do for weak people. Help the weak. Help the weak. Wow, we got to look at ways to help others and remember that. Also in Galatians chapter 6, 1 and 2, it talks about those who are taking overtaken in a fault you her spiritual restore we got to bear one another's burdens you know it's not too bad to help somebody if all you got to do is help them and you just get a set in a recliner and visit with them that's not too bad what if you got to carry hide beds out like six of them and up three flights of stairs man i wish i wouldn't have volunteered to help it's like someone once said don't buy a pickup because everyone asks for you to help them so I always tell them my pickup's broke. But you know, no, you, you try to see how you can help. But I'll tell you what help does. It makes Caleb smack you in the hand with a... No, that, I still blame him for breaking it. He blames for me to tell him crank on it harder. But he's the one that had it in a handle in the hand. But then it all came down. But anyway, whatever it is, 
You know, you look at that, but we're just going to help, right? We're going to do whatever we can. So I was impressed even when we get back here later and, you know, uh, got a bunch of women here cleaning. Everyone's going to help. And, um, you know, we got Caleb and I come back and carried this in. Jamie and um, Lincoln come and they helped. This thing was dusty, wasn't it? Lincoln, boy, he looked like he made more dirt out of this thing than was possible. I think he was wiping his face when he's wiping this, and that's why that rag. But, no, we all got to help, don't we? We have to remember that. Um, I also like the one over in uh, 2 Corinthians, and this is a one we've got to remember all the time because Paul remembered it. 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 9. Listen to this. For we rejoice when we ourselves are weak. What? For we rejoice when we ourselves are weak, but you are strong. We also pray for you that you may be made complete. That sounds like he spent everything so they could have what they want. I'm okay if we have to be weak and have to deal with all this pressure and persecution if it just strengthens you. So we have to look and see how we strengthen one another. Now, if you turn back to Romans 15 in the next verse after it tells us the strong ought to bear the weaknesses and not just please themselves, it says each of us, or excuse me, each of us is to each of us. If we say each of us, who's that mean? Just the preacher? Just the women? Each of us every one of us so here it is each of us is to please his neighbor for his good and for his edification so when i come to worship now i get a lot out of worship i get i think i got to give you some words of encouragement here in a minute hopefully all these are words of encouragement but some other words of encouragement in a minute but you got to think about how to help everybody else so let me at least mention this i'm always one of those people I want you to know what's before us and what challenges. But do you guys like good news? You guys, you guys do like good. You like good news that news that does this to you instead of news. Oh no. Well, just to let you know because we've been talking about the contribution. Uh, so we have some people who definitely sacrificially gave. We bumped that budget to two thousand every week starting this week. But today our contribution was five thousand two hundred ninety-one dollars. So I want you to think that's good news, huh? So you think about that because we got expenses to take care of and stuff, and that lets John know we do get to put that subfloor in. But, you know, uh, so we look and we see how important it is. You know what amazes me with that is I believe, I believe this with all my heart, if you give brethren the information of what's going on instead of hiding it from them and you offer them the challenge, it's seldom that brethren don't meet the challenge. And so you're, everyone's to be commended for that. And, but I think about that when I think about this passage. Each is to please his neighbor. Well, you know, I could have used whatever money I give. I could have used that to do this. I could have used that to do that. I could have been doing this and could have been doing that. So why did I give it? Well, I gave it for wondering. First of all, I didn't give it to you. I gave it to the Lord. But it's for the benefit of the congregation and for the church as a whole and to glorify God. I mean, if you could, it, you just think about it. If, I, if a dime... The way I spend a dime, please God, I win. So you think about that. What could you do more importantly? I know I remember talking to a person once says, well, they were talking about their congregation or needs. So we just, my wife and I decided to 
cancel our trip. We were going to Hawaii, so we just canceled the trip, got our money back, and we just gave it all to them. We'll just uh, stay home those two weeks. That's pretty sacrificial, huh? That's pretty amazing. The husband and wife both agreed on it when they had this trip planned to Hawaii. But that's pretty impressive. That says something about their mindset, doesn't it? It's huge. It's huge. So I think about this to please his neighbor. In Philippians chapter 2, if you would turn over there, Philippians chapter 2. This is so interesting because it talks about not being selfish here. Uh, Philippians 2, verses 3 and 4. We'll go right there. Do nothing from selfishness. Well, I know that was the last chicken leg. I know there's more chicken legs over there. That was the last chicken leg, and I know Haley really wanted it, but I got here first, so I mean, I'm snarfing it down for Haley because Haley's a chicken leg fanatic. She's kind of a hot dog fanatic, too. But anyway, so I'm going to eat it up before she can get to it. That's selfish, isn't it? Not only is that selfish, that's a, that's a little spiteful. And me, you know, why are we going to be selfish? You know, what was the last piece? Someone had to have it. Well, you're going to fight over who's going to eat it. I'll just eat it and get out of your way. But no, you look at that and how important it is for us to remember, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourself. So this would be good. Now, just so you know, I still got four more of these chairs out in the auditorium. I'm going to put them right here next week. But um, let's say this would be a great problem. Let's say next week, because some more people out of town will be back. Let's say next week you get here and there's no, all, every chair in here is full for worship. And somebody, five people are going to have to stand up. Well, I'm going home then if i got to stand up. Hmm. Should we have a bunch of volunteers if five people got to stand up? Oh, no, you let somebody else stand up. I stand up all the time anyway. You can't even sit down for a little bit. See, people use all, I'm old, man. Let some of them youngsters. I can hear people. I've heard them all. But I appreciate the one who just says, don't worry about it, I got it. Hmm. I also think about in the Old Testament, you know, I, I need to put this sermon together again. I don't have it anymore when I put it together the first time. It's a look back in the Old Testament how many times that the children of Israel come together for the reading of God's word from sun up to sundown, every man, woman, and child, and they had to stand up the whole day. And they started reading at daylight and didn't stop reading it till dark. Boy, people would pitch a fit today. People say, I couldn't do it. Well, they did it. And they, people were in as bad a shape then as you are now. He's got to, boy, that takes a lot of determination, a lot of respect for God's word, doesn't it? Also, remember, most of them couldn't read. Think about how great a gift that is if you can't read, but someone's going to read to you. Wow. So I think about those things, pleasing his neighbor, not just himself. Um, and we're going to the weak need the strong, but the strong need the weak so they can prove they're strong and, and be able to sacrifice for them. So you jump back over here to Romans 15 and verse 4, and it talks about uh, whatever is written in earlier times, we're talking about the Old Testament, was written for our instruction. Now we have the Old Testament and the New Testament written so that through perseverance, perseverance, what's perseverance? Well, Dylan was talking to me about running. And he said he'd set this time, and he said, man, he was dragging. He had to persevere that last mile. 
He was ready to sit down, boy. I'll tell you, I've been there before. I haven't run anywhere in a long time or run to the kitchen to get something to eat. But no, you look at that, and we run, and it takes perseverance. That means when you don't feel like it, you stick it out anyway. So we look at it with perseverance and encouragement, grant you the same mind towards one another according to Christ Jesus. But I want you to think about that encouragement through the script. You know, I'm telling you what, it is so encouraging when someone shares a passage of scripture with you or someone just thinks to, you're talking about something and they just, they quote a passage of scripture to you. It's right on mark. Isn't that just so encouraging? Wow, yeah, that'll work. You know, get, I don't know, you're worrying about something, you're concerned about something and they say, man, you just got to remember, um, we look at the things which are not seen rather than things which are seen because things that are seen, they're temporary. Things which are not seen are eternal. Now, they not, might not remember that's in, first, in Second Corinthians chapter 4, but they quote the verse, and you know the verse. You know what's in there. Even if you don't know where it was at at that time, oh, man, that's, that's quite a passage. Whatever the thing is, or, you know, you're complaining and everything about this and that, and someone says, well, when you get home today, you probably ought to read Philippians 2.14. And you're in your head. You don't need to read Philippians 2.14 because you already know it says do all things without grumbling and complaining. Okay, yeah, I got to watch what I say. I got to watch it. Man, it's easy to get on this thing. So all Scripture, 2 Corinthians 3.16, all Scripture is inspired by God, inspired, breathed by Him. If God's going to breathe words to us, isn't it important that we learn them, that we read them, that we meditate on them? All Scripture Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22 and 23. <clears throat> you have been born again, not of seed which is perishable, but imperishable. That is through the living and enduring word of God. Huh. Through the living and enduring word of God. This seed that has brought life to us eternally came through the word of God. It's enduring. He goes on and says, All flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. Grass withers. It'll get cool enough to do that for long. And flowers fall off. But the word of the Lord, it does the same. Is that what it says? No. It endures forever. I think about that. This is written nearly 2,000 years ago. It's still as true today as it was then. God's word endures forever. It doesn't change. You know, everything changes. Everything. You know, when you're working on construction through the years I've worked on construction, do you know that codes change all the time? I mean, they change all the time. When we look at the fire inspection, they're not the same they used to be. You know, it's just like that little stupid document box over there. You have to put it in there. And I think, oh, okay, so we've got to put this document box in there. And the guy who put the fire alarm asked about it. And then the fire inspector says, that's been on the code since 2015. I said, man, that's just yesterday to me, 2015. But I get that. But it all changes. Everything changes. And so, you know, so what you, some things, well, you think some, you know, I think people still pretty much have to pay taxes, and I think everyone's still pretty much going to die, and 
But God's Word, I think that's so important. You know, when you take this body of mine, it's going to decay away. This building here, going to do this work on it, one day it's all going to be burned up. It's just, it's all temporary. The house you live in, the cars we drove here, they're all temporary. It's all temporary. I always tell people, of course God's in a room, but, you know, physically, and I know it's not all physically, it's spiritual, but, you know, your soul, you got part of you that it will endure forever. And it will either endure in heaven or hell. It will last forever. One and the other thing that will last forever is God's word. It doesn't just stay true till the end of time. It endures, God used this word, forever. How long does heaven last? Forever. How long does hell last? Forever. What else lasts that long? Nothing. So you... We've got the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit that have been internal on both ends. And they, of course, will last forever. But on this earth, we've got man's soul and we've got the Word of God. And it endures forever. God's Word is so important. So I think about that back in this passage when we're going to finally get to my point here in verses 5 and 6. All that was introduction, so you know. We're going to be strong. The weak are going to, the strong are going to bear the weaknesses of the weak, and we're going to look to how to help others rather than selfishly trying to think what we're going to get out of it. And we're going to use the scripture to encourage people. Wow. And then we get to five and six, and we get down to the idea that we need to be in one accord, and that's not a Honda. We need to be in agreement. And so in verse 5 it says, Now may the God who gives perseverance grant you to be of the same mind with one another according to Christ Jesus. Well, I know you guys all have strong beliefs and you trust and you're just sure that Jesus was born in Bethlehem. But see, I think he was, I'm going to say he was born in Jerusalem. Because I read a lot more about him being in Jerusalem than in Bethlehem. I do read a lot more about him being in Jerusalem than Bethlehem. And after all, that's where the temple is. And that's the city of David. And so you guys are going to believe, and you're going to take the stand, which would be the correct one. He's born in Bethlehem, Kendall. I say, yeah, well, I think he's born in Jerusalem, so I'm going to stick with Jerusalem. Well, you're going to be wrong. Now, we cannot have those two stances and be of one accord, can we? Because those aren't the same. I'm telling you what, Jerusalem and Bethlehem have miles between them. They're not the... Now, you could say, you know, Jamie was born in Amarillo, because we already picked on Texas. That would be true, correct, Jamie? And we could say Jamie was born in Texas. Would that be true? And we could say Jamie was born in South America. Would that be true? You tell me how much further you can get in South in America than Texas. But anyway, no, you look at things. So see, there's some things you could say, and it would be right, because Amarillo's in Texas. We could say Jamie was born a American. I think Texas is in it. But, you know, so you look at all that, and, and we see and we understand. But we look, and it says scripturally, and we, if we're going to have unity and we're going to be able to encourage each other, you can't have all this friction and division. I have fun 
picking on Oki sometime and picking on people from Arkansas and picking on people from Texas and picking on people from Missouri. I pick on everybody but people from Kansas. But anyway, no, you, I have fun picking on all those people. That's fun. That's enjoyable. But we don't mean anything by it, right? We're just having a, an enjoyable time. And, and I don't really care where you were born. I tell all of you were born, okay? So we look, but when it comes biblically, we got to have agreement. We got to have agreement. We've got to be of the same mind. We got to be of the same mind towards one another. Just look back in Romans 12. Romans 12 and verse 16. Be of the same mind towards one another. Well, you know, there's some people in this congregation that are old. And there's some people in this congregation that are young. And there's some people in this congregation that are this. And there's some people in this congregation that are that. Okay. But it says we need to be of the same mind towards one another. Do not be haughty in your mind, but associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in... Is there anybody in this congregation that's better than anybody else in this congregation? We'll just stick here. We're just all, we're different, but nobody's any better. Oh, men are better than women, just different. God made them different for a reason. Bald-headed people are way better than, no. Now, I can tell you that gray hair deserves respect. I, I can give you passages. So it says with age comes a certain amount of honor. It also says with age should come wisdom, and I've known some pretty stupid old people, so they didn't get it, but uh, I'm not trying to be disrespectful to them, but it's like they got to pick it up and know what's on. But, you know, you look at all these things, here's what I know, you got to get it all to work in a cohesive manner, don't we, young and old? Do you know we all need each other? And do you know the healthiest congregations have people of all ages? If you just people in a little while you'll have nothing if you just have young people you have no wisdom to be able to go in a in a what word do i want to, in a unified a unified uh, direction because it gets scattered you know you might have a lot of energy but you have no real direction i've been in both those situations where i thought man just send me some young people so we'd have some energy lord and then i moved to alaska and we had all that energy send me some old people to help me man these guys are running everywhere they wear you out Oh, you got 200 people and you only got two or three men over 50. It's a tough road to hoe, bud. I mean, you got some things going on, but you got to keep, you know, you can just have a lot of busy work if you don't, or you can have one thing working against another. So it takes all of those things. And it says so, but here's what we've got to have. We've got to have the mind. I'll tell you where we're going, whether we're young, old, male, or female. We're just going to go to the book. And we're going to do what it says. And we're going to hold on to that. we got to be of the same mind towards one another. And then I like um, verse 6 because it says, And that with one accord you may with one voice. You know, I always think it's good, and I love to do this. I don't do it all the time. But when I make an announcement, I think it's really encouraging. You hear me sometimes say, and the church said. And that's so we all in one accord say, Amen. You know, I think about that even when I used to coach football and we always had a prayer before the game. So I'd get them around there, huddle. The referees used to come over on my side because they had all the boys I call football helmets when we're playing hats. Get your hats off. And we have a prayer. And, you know, it didn't take just a little while. And those kids knew what you did after a prayer. Most of them didn't hardly ever go to church. But you know how usually in football when they get done at the beginning, they break. 
not my teams. You'd hear him say, amen. So everyone in the world knew what we were doing in that whole place. You know, in one accord, that's pretty impressive. That's pretty impressive. You know, I'm not saying God doesn't hear one voice, but it means something. So when you come together with one voice, so that means we're all speaking the same thing. We're in agreement with one voice. And I think about that in a lot of passages we could look at. I think about in Acts 4, when they lifted their voice up in praise to God, they lifted it up. You know, and I know this is a fact because sometimes I'll be at the back. Some guys get up here to lead a prayer or do something. And, or let's say they're going to read a passage, and here's what they do. Now we are strong, ought to bear the weaknesses of those without strength. And not. Can't hardly hear them, can you? So you got to lift up your voice. You know, I tell them, talk to the person at the back. Of, talk to the person that be in that room back there. You know, if I'm going to take time to preach, I'm going to make sure you heard it anyway. But you think about that. You're ready to, let's say, one of these little girls got outside and you saw them running towards the road. Would you yell and scream at them? Or would you just say, you kids come back here now. If you said that, I want to be the first person to slap you in the head while I run by you to get them girls. And I'm going to hit you hard. It's going to knock you down. Okay? I'm just telling you right now. Because you're, an enda you're endangering those children's lives. Well, I tell you what, we need to speak up and be heard about the gospel, don't we? And it's just like I think about here, so I'm going to lay this on you now. So next week, everyone needs to be inviting people with you. We want to run out of space fast. We can have that room ready in a week or so if we have to. You know, we can do whatever needs to be done. You know why we can do that? Because the Lord provides. The Lord provides. And he provides through us. But it doesn't do any good to pray about growth and then not invite a soul, does it? So now you're going to see me have a common thing a lot. I'm going to say, raise your hand if you invited someone to church this last week. I'm going to start doing that. So, and if you don't have your hand up, I hope you're, I'm going to say, turn around and look. They don't even have their hand up. But, you know, say, well, you shouldn't have to do that. Your shame. I don't know. He talks about the shame of sin, doesn't he? The Lord, you shame a lot of times motivate people. Don't need to be shamed until we should be ready. Let's look at another one. Philippians chapter 3. Two more verses and it's yours. Philippians, two more passages. Philippians chapter 3. Uh, we're going to pick up at verse 15 of Philippians 3. Let us therefore, as many as are perfect, that's got to be us, right? We've been made perfect in Christ. Have this attitude, and if in any you have a different attitude, God will reveal that also to you. You know where he reveals it to you? Right here. However, let us keep living by the same standard to which we've attained. Is there a standard? There's a standard. Brethren, join in following my example and observe those who walk according to the pattern, the standard, this pattern which you have in us. There's a standard. There's a pattern. Wow. A standard and a pattern. That's kind of the same thing, a standard and a pattern. And when you think about this, those who are strong ought to bear the weaknesses of those without strength. You ought to please your neighbor. You ought to encourage people from the Scripture. You ought to be of the united mind. And you ought to understand he wrote us down a pattern. You know what always gets me? I think about one time when I was working on 
the house Caleb and Jamie have now, before we ever knew they were going to have it, we'd strip that thing down and we had a roll-off dumpster there and we stripped that house down to studs and sheeting. That's all that was there, studs and sheeting on the wall. Um, and the one of the county inspectors, building inspectors come by and come by and put a stop work order on the door on Friday afternoon. And I stalled the stop work order. I took it down and threw it in the dumpster. And he drove back by in a little while and said, hey, did you see my stop work order on the door? Yeah, I saw it. Where is it? I threw it in the dumpster. What? I said, well, why, you, why is it on there? We don't have a permit. We shouldn't have to have a permit. We're just redoing, remod, we're just redoing a house. Taking some drywall off, putting it back up. We're redoing a house. And by that time, it was already all drywalled in, electricity run. He says, and then he said this. He said, if you take one piece of drywall off your house, you have to have a permit. I looked him in the eye and I said, yeah, I will be over there Monday to talk to your boss, Bill, and you at the courthouse, and I want to see that in the code. Because I already knew it in the code. So I show up over there, and Bill's there and says, Kendall, just this permit's only this much. It'll make everybody happy. I'll send somebody over. And, you know, they wrote off on the things we already had done. I said, well, first, I want to see that code. Kendall, you know there's no code like that. I said, so why is he trying to manipulate people? I know there's no code like that. And you know there's no code like that. And I said, I don't like people telling me. See, I don't like people that don't live by the pattern. I want, I, just show me. We have codes and they're written out for a reason. So everyone does it the same. I don't need someone coming in and telling me, well, can I see that? Sometimes they act like you're insulting. Well, I just like to see it. You know, it's just the way things are. It's even like when the fire inspector was in there, he saw a range. And he said, so you took the burners off? No, I didn't take no burners off. And he looked at me. I said, there's never any burners on that. That's a wall slide in there. There's no, and I lift up the, top the plywood I set on there temporarily. He said, oh, okay. He, but he wasn't going to believe me until I lift up the plywood. Huh. Okay, I'll, sh I'll show you. I live in Missouri. We can show me state. Yeah. Here we go. But you look at that. That's the same standard for everybody in a commercial building. I I'm good with that as long as everyone else has to play by this. Wouldn't it be terrible if you were playing in a game and you're playing football and the other team has to abide by the rules, but you don't have to worry about being offsides. And you can hold, and you can clip. And, man, I'm telling you what, I'm going to hurt some people now. We're going to win big time because we're going to have such an advantage. We're not going to wait. Just hit that quarterback now. Go. They come out of the huddle, hit him now. You know, first of all, you can't. everyone's got to play. By, both teams got to play by the same rule. You ever watch the game and you wonder if they were letting one team run? Oh, yeah, I've seen those. And I get the, if you're a fan, you get irritated. If, if it's your team they're letting go by, you're loving it. But if it's well, first of all, it's not good if you let any team slide. But we think about this one accord. Everyone's got to work by the same rules. He gave us the Bible so we'd know. One last passage. You guys are going to know this one. It's uh, pretty short and straight to the point, but it's over at the end of Hebrews, Hebrews 13. Hebrews 13. I think everybody can do this. Remember those who led you. Do you ever want to remember the person who taught them the gospel and baptized them into Christ? Man, I can, I can tell you all kinds of things about that day. And I was young, and it's done a lot, 50 years ago. I can remember all kinds of things about it. Remember those who led you, who spoke the word of God to you, and consider the results 
of their conduct imitate their faith. So it says when you think back to someone who thought enough to share you the gospel and brought you along, you need to be like that person, don't you? Because if they brought you to the gospel, if you do the same thing, is there a likelihood you'll bring someone to the gospel? That's what it says. Imitate their faith. Imitate their faith. And then it says this. Jesus is the same on Thursdays, Sundays, and Fridays. No, the same yesterday. That was Saturday. Today, this is Sunday, and how about through the rest of existence? Forever. Jesus never, and neither does his word, neither does his, it never changes. I like the idea of something you have to learn once. You know, when I was a kid, well, I was getting older, I guess, and I remember I went and I, they started teaching new math, whatever they thought that was. You know, I hate to tell you, there's nothing new about math. There's never going to be anything new about math. Anyone who thinks there's something new about math need to learn what's the same about math. There's just, and my dad, I said, well, we're learning new math. He says, what's that? One plus one is three. He says, there's nothing new about math. It's the same as when I was a kid. You know, math is still always the same. Now, people try to get it. They just teach, what they did was they took something, a simple way of teaching it and made it difficult. I said, man, this is no-brainer stuff. It's kind of like fractions and decimals. People have time. I can teach you all kinds of tricks about that, you know. It's like, I, don't have, I won't get into it now. But there's just a lot of simple stuff. I like things you get to learn once, and then you got it. I like things that don't change if you can have it that way. Well, here it is. It doesn't change. So here we are in 2021 preaching the same message that was written in the first century. And if we're preaching anything else, Jesus Christ didn't change. His word didn't change. We did. So I'll tell you what the world still needs today. I'm thankful that Supreme Court stood behind Texas ruling. I respect Texas for making that, making that ruling. I look at that, but let me tell you what. I don't care how many people. The shedding of innocent blood is still sinful. And it'll be sinful forever, no matter what anybody says. We could talk about so many. This is what the world needs. Your coworkers need this. Your family needs this. Your neighbors need this. This is what they need. If we can help you with your relationship with God today, please come as we stand and sing.